Well, today is Valentine's Day, and so hopefully you're sitting a little bit closer with that special someone in service today, or maybe holding their hand, or maybe you did something romantic when they got up. Anyone do breakfast in bed, or anything like that? You know, <clears throat> maybe the flowers, those are always a good thing. But I, I want to start today with, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about relationships, and um, I, I get the chance to work with the kids in, in the junior high, and I, I told the junior high group, I said, hey, you know, Sunday, I'll be, I'll be speaking on relationships and some tips on relationships, and one of the kids goes to me, you're going to give us tips on how to pick up girls? I said, no, no, I'm not. It's uh, something probably totally opposite. Um, but <clears throat> anyways, maybe that gives us a little better understanding on a junior high perspective. But anyways, some of those uh, junior hires are in here, so I won't mention who said that. But I want to start off by talking about a perfect marriage. Did you guys realize that there has been a perfect marriage? Seriously. Now, this, this perfect marriage, has they, they never fought. Um, he probably always picked up his clothes, and uh, she probably never nagged him about directions or anything like that. And uh, they, they agreed on everything and, and, and really had an outstanding relationship with God. And maybe you could almost go so far as to say, well, it's, it's almost like they never sinned or anything. It was like they were they were made for each other. It was it was the perfect match. It was the thing that all of us desire when when we're young to find the the perfect someone and life happens perfectly and it turns into this perfect utopia. And some of us maybe you've been married for a number of years and you're saying, Yes, I'm still looking for the perfect relationship. Um but it's a true story, and it's and it's actually found in the Bible. It's what an incredible story, and it's the story of Adam and Eve before sin came into the world. Wouldn't you have loved to seen that? Wouldn't you have loved to experience that before their big mistake? Their mistake now has you know ruined it for all of us, really. Um, uh, I know we're all thinking that sin enters the world, original sin, and so all of um, this also ushers in the first marital fight, complete with finger pointing and he said, she said, and the whole bit, and things never change. Now, every marriage relationship at some point um, obviously struggles and wrestles because of this, um, but it doesn't just end there. It, it, it goes further into our relationships, um, not just marriage, but also maybe dating relationships, friends, family, coworkers, classmates, acquaintances, all the way down to um, having a bad day at work, going home angry and kicking the dog, all the way down to your relationship with little Joey or little puppy or Max or Spot. You know, it's uh, now all of us have this sin-laden problem, and collectively we all point our fingers at Adam and Eve and say, it's their fault. If they wouldn't have done that, we could have had these perfect relationships. How many of you have said that before? I've almost gotten a little frustrated with Adam and Eve because they really kind of messed it up for all of us. It's kind of frustrating, right? 
So the question is, where's the love? Where's the love? There have been many songs written with that title. There have been many people who have asked that. We're going we're gonna to take a little time and look at the idea of where is the love. Relationships are tough. And let's think back to maybe some of the different relationships you guys have had and I have had throughout our lives. <clears throat> Family relationships. Is there anyone who lives in the perfect family? I've heard it said that all families are dysfunctional. (laughs) And that's probably true to some extent. Some of you are poking your husband or wife and saying, Amen. (laughs) She's talking about yours. Um, (laughs) Brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents. You know, there's always been some point of contention. Now... I know, I know, parents. You've never had any contention with your, you know, with your kids or anything. There's, you've always been able to, you know, raise them how God wanted to, and they've accepted it wholeheartedly, and they've walked unwaveringly throughout their faith and throughout their lives. Now, we may think that that's idealistic, but remember, Adam and Eve messed it up, so it's not their fault. But family relationships are tough. What about the the dating relationships? Some of you either maybe are or have or would really love to be dating someone right now, okay? Now, we all fit in one of those categories. Maybe you're currently dating the, uh, the perfect person. But those dating relationships can be tough. Um, we don't have to drudge up, you know, old Valentine's Day stuff, but maybe your first boyfriend or girlfriend in elementary school or middle school. I, I remember mine. I was in sixth grade. I was as nervous as all get out with the note that I got. We, we were going out for one week. One week. I don't know if I even spoke to her throughout the whole week. I mean, it was just, it was tough. Relationships are tough. We get so nervous. It's tough not only for adults, but also for young people. It's, it's, it, can be, it can be frustrating, the most nerve-wracking thing to talk to the person that you're supposedly very close with. Ah, but... Maybe maybe friendships. Friendships can be tough. Boy, never been so thoroughly offended sometimes as with our friends. Maybe your best friend who's always been there for you and all of a sudden does the unthinkable. And maybe maybe you getting hurt through a friendship and you just, it's hard to get past that. Or maybe you were the one who un- unknowingly, and you didn't want to, but you caused the hurt in that friendship. And it's it's hard to get that back, you know. Um, Maybe um, a husband and wife. The husband and wife relationship is an interesting one. And I'm glad that my relationship with my wife is absolutely perfect. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so your guys isn't either then, hey? Now, obviously the husband and wife relationship can be very tough. Um, you try not to. Uh, my, my father-in-law refers to it as when you, um, intense fellowship. Uh, when there's when there's arguing, and I you know it's I think that's pretty true, uh, you know when you try not to argue in front of the kids, and you try not to you know, you, you you try to live the perfect relationship for them to see. You're trying to model what God you know wants in their lives, and 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 hopefully what they're going to look for in a spouse. And you're trying to model that, and 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 there's a lot of pressure. There can be a lot of pressure, and it doesn't always go the way that we want it to. And and what about our relationship with God? 
this can be very tough. On, on the outside, trying to have a relationship with someone who is perfect can be tough. You always disappoint, you know? And, 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 and that's the reality of it. And, and I know, uh, Pastor Bruce, you spoke a little bit about how we can, about an example of how we can show Christ the love that we have from last week. Um, really did a great job. Um, but all of us have felt the sweet joy and the excitement of these different relationships. But we have also experienced the hurt and the brokenness and, and the struggle that can come with these tough relationships. And, and maybe even some of you are struggling even today. You're, you're sitting here and, and you are struggling in one of those relationships. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a marriage relationship or maybe it is one of those dating relationships and, it's, and it seems like you're, you're in and it, the repercussions of, of trying to get out of that are going to be overwhelming. Um, maybe it's a, a family member or or a friend and 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 there's this brokenness there's this wall or there's this divide between you and the other person on the other side and it's very monumental and it's tough and we all deal with these our our walls between each other are are at different heights possibly but they're all still there we we all desire the same thing in our relationships but never quite seem to meet that perfect expectation and we all deal with these relationships in many different ways. So we feel like we've fallen short. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've been the one who caused hurt and have so much regret now that we don't know what to do with it. And we deal with these in, in, in a lot of different ways. Some people absolutely hate Valentine's Day. They hate Valentine's Day. Not because they don't like Cupid or the colors pink and red or any of that kind of stuff but because Valentine's Day has a lot more negative emotions connected with it than positive. They've experienced so much brokenness in relationships that a holiday about relationships is more one that they dread than one that they, than one that they look forward to. Others turn possibly to different addictions to help deal with these different hurts. And still others... Uh, they're called stuffers, I guess. They stuff everything inside and everything's okay. And then eventually, one day, the stuffer compartment gets full. And all of a sudden, boom, over... Jeez, I didn't think it was that big a deal. But there's stuffers out there. Some of us end up hurting everyone else in our path because the old saying is true that hurt people hurt people you know some have been hurt so deeply that they turn even all the way to they've given up on any kind of relationship with the opposite sex and turn to homosexuality hurt can be so deep can cut so deep some have read so many self-help books about how to fix it how to do it how do I repair it what do I do and there's so many questions and they've read all the books and they still can't find the answer to how to fix these broken relationships. Many have just completely given up. They've completely given up on those hurts, the people that caused them, and they choose to do nothing about it. And, you know, at, at some point I, 
if I'm being honest, I would have to say that I have, you know, done one of those things when a bad relationship has happened or a, or a wall or a divide has come up. It's tough not to. It's tough not to just stuff it. It's tough not to just turn, to, you know, somewhere else or to try to fix, 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 and it just never gets fixed. Don't allow this to be an option. This cannot be an option. We can't be content with dealing with our broken relationships this way. And maybe they're not even broken relationships, but the difficulties in our relationships this way. If we choose to give up, we have given room for bitterness, discouragement, and this eats a person up. S- someone... And, and maybe you know someone like this who, have, who has lived their life in bitterness and discouragement because of past broken relationship. And they've never been able to allow that to fully heal. But you know what? It's tough. So we're sitting there saying, yeah, I would love it to heal. But it's just not that easy. It may not be easy, but please do not give up. When this kind of situation arises, a lot of us start asking questions, a lot of different questions. Questions about possibly the other person, questions about maybe what we've done wrong, questions about um, where they're at spiritually or where we're at spiritually. And, you know, all, all these things start circulating. And a lot of times we end up uh, asking maybe a very similar question. Eventually, you know, when we get to a certain point in these relationships, we, we, we look to God and we say, you know, why would a loving God have us experience this hurt and pain? If, if he's really looking out for me, if he's really real, then why on earth would God allow these kinds of things to happen? Especially if you're a Christian. I, I'm following God. I'm doing what's right. I've 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 given my whole life maybe even to serve him and to and to do the things that I know he wants me to do. Why is this still happening? And these are legitimate questions and we're all seeking the answers to these questions. And I don't have the exact answer to this question. But allow me to tell you a little bit of what I do know. That these situations hurts and troubles are not God's doing. If you remember back in the perfect marriage relationship that we started off with, back in the garden, Satan was striving to make this kind of stuff happen. Trying to cause hurt, pain, sadness, division, and strife. That was his goal. That's what he was looking to do. He was hoping that he could make dating relationships a horrible experience he was hoping that marriages would be turmoil he was hope i mean that that's what he's going for he wants he he desires broken relationships relationships in shambles that's the reality of satan and what he wants to do in the evil see satan has deceived us with what love and relationships and even friendships are supposed to be like if, if we watch any of those romantic comedies, uh, it's tough not to desire to have that kind of situation happen to you, isn't it? 
Wouldn't that be cool if it worked out like how all those movies did? Or maybe if you, if you ask someone who has been married just for a little while, you know, and say, hey, how's it going? How, you know, how's married life? And, and they may say something like, you know, I love being married, but man, it's sure different than what I thought. I know I said that at some point. Like, boy, it's, it's a lot different than how it looks in the movies, so to speak. You know, but this is not God's plan for us. God wants us to see victory in our relationships. God wants us to see healing. God wants us to see restoration in our relationships. And James 1, 16 and 17, it says, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That God is the one who brings the good gifts, even in our relationships. You know, I'm, I'm not sure of the different relationships. Excuse me, the different relationships that you've had or the hurt and pain that you've experienced, but I know God's Word speaks about these relationships. And God's Word speaks about what we can do about these relationships. And that's one of the many reasons why I'm so grateful for God's Word. He does not leave this stuff untouched. He addresses this stuff in His Word. And so we're going to take a little time today and see exactly what he says. We're going to spend the next few minutes discussing what our perspective should be in our relationships and one huge way to help bring reconciliation, godly reconciliation, healing and joy back into your relationships. And we're going to look at the book of Romans to do that. The idea here is to extend grace. Extend grace. Our perspective, let, let's think of other people for a minute. Sometimes we're the one that uh, keeps adding the bricks to that wall in between those relationships. Sometimes we're the one maybe that even makes it worse or maybe that created it in the first place. And so one of the first things with that our perspective needs to be is we need to cut some people some slack sometimes. You know, I've heard it said, don't be speck pickers. You know the verse where it says, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye? Or, I'm sorry, don't worry about the speck, yeah, in your brother's eye, and um, but worry about the plank in your own. Be understanding. You know, all of us have the same, have, have experienced a lot of the same thing as far as hurt, uh, difficulty, uh, pain, and we all handle those in different ways. Don't, don't be so picky on how other people are possibly handling that. Extend some grace. Everyone else is going through similar struggles just like us. Other people maybe just bother us because they have different gifts and talents than we do. That's all right. It'd be pretty pathetic if there were a bunch of Pauls in the world. We'd have a great time. <laughs> but... You know, we probably wouldn't get anything done. Thank goodness for my wife. Um, they have different gifts and talents, and that's good. You know, um, we are we're the body of Christ, and diversity. And Pastor Mark spoke spoke to this too. But diversity is is great. But unity in diversity 
is is incredible. What what unites us in the body of Christ is our relationship with Christ, our belief in God. And man, that's a powerful thing. When you can get people on opposite ends of the spectrum, personality-wise, gifts-wise, talents-wise, and bring them under one roof and have them get along and be able to function in a good, godly relationship, that's a powerful thing. All kinds of stuff can happen then. You know, the other person was also created in God's image. Sometimes we doubt that and say, there's no way that that man was created in God's image. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if he was, it was on a bad day. You know, but, but we think that about other people. Like, you've got to be kidding me. This, it's, it's hard, but we need to extend grace. Don't make assumptions. You know, it's very easy to have everyone else's life and how they got to this point in their life all figured out. You know what? Well, I know how they got here. It's pretty obvious. They screwed up here, they did this, and they made that choice, and boom. What do they expect? You know? I, it's, it's true. We, we start making assumptions. They say, well, what did they think would happen? You know, like, like, we're all, like they were trying to seek out that brokenness and that wall in their relationships. Let's extend a little bit of grace. James 1.19 says, Then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Let's back off a little bit and instead extend some grace. You know, but Pastor Paul, they're, they're undeserving, really. They're, I'm not going to you know, extend grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. They are the one with the problem. They're the one who broke the relationship. They're the one who caused the pain. They're the ones that need to forgive. Right? I've, I've heard people say it, and you know what? It is tough. One of the toughest things to do is to say, you know, I guess honestly, I, I, I really had no wrong in this hurt that was created, and still be able to go and step forward in grace and begin to repair it. You know, it's it's easy to stay back and say, you know what, they're going to need to step this way before I'm coming over there. But if we're going to extend grace, if we're going to bring healing into our relationships, we need to be, whether whether we think they deserve it, whether we think we're at all in, in fault of it or not, we need to be able to step and say, let's begin the healing process. That's extending grace. And it's tough. But, you know, Christ is the ultimate example of a healthy and godly relationship, isn't he? In, in Romans 5, verses 6, 6 through 8, Romans is one of my, well, it's in my top three favorite books. I love it. It, it really speaks to a lot of real-life situations, I believe. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Christians, Christ 
is our example of that perfect and godly relationship. Because honestly, looking around, nothing personal, but it's not in here. We, we all struggle. We all have difficulty. We're all trying to do the best that we can. And so we need to look for Christ for that example. Christ died for a bunch of lowly sinners. All of us, really. If he can demonstrate that kind of love toward each of us who don't deserve it, then let's be willing to extend some grace to each other in our relationships. Let's be willing to, let's be willing to take that step to the, that possibly undeserving party. Christ did it for all of us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have to be willing to do so in our relationships. And this should really be our perspective on others. We should view others through the eyes of Christ. We should view others maybe greater or better than ourselves. We should esteem others higher than ourselves. But what about ourselves? What should our perspectives be for us? Okay? Because the old saying, it takes two to tango, is true. You can have a per- you know, you can think you have a perfect relationship with yourself, but that's just not the reality of life. It takes two, and ultimately, uh, and it's kind of an interesting word picture. It's if you picture people fighting, and they take two to tango, and now you're picturing them dancing a tango. It's actually kind of a, an interesting uh, word picture there, but it's true. What what does Romans what, what does the Bible have to say? about our perspective. Look in Romans 12. Romans 12, 3. And a lot of times, the perspective to swallow is the perspective that we're supposed to have on ourselves is, is usually the toughest one. How we're supposed to view ourselves. Because you can say, you know what? I can deal with that. I can view others in that light. But let's see how we should view ourselves. Romans 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God calls us to humility. And, and that's a tough thing to hear sometimes. But it's true. God calls us to humility. If we are viewing everyone else through the eyes of Christ, we should view ourselves then through the eyes of him too. And Christ calls us to view ourselves not more highly than we ought. We shouldn't view ourselves more highly than we ought. We are called to be humble, grateful for what Christ has done in reconciling us to God. Giving us an opportunity to heal that broken relationship between us and and God. Christ was the one who stepped in to do that. And if Christ is our example, then we need to use Christ in our example of how we view other people, and we need to use Christ as our, as our example in how we view ourselves. Grace has been extended to us. Let's extend it to others. Freely you have received, freely give. What does extending grace look like? It sounds good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What does it mean to... Does it mean to allow everyone to kind of do what they want and get walked on and be a Christian doormat? No, not by any means. 
And once again, God's word has something to say about how this should look. How should this be carried out? Grace is not simply a reaction to others, but instead is an action. There's a big difference between how you act and how you react. A reaction is in response to something, but an action is something you do no matter what is done to you. Right? Grace needs to be not a reaction. We should respond with grace, but it goes further than that. Grace should be something that we are living out, that we are actively doing. It should be an action that we have every day. It is a way of living. Romans 12 goes on to describe how this should look. And we're going to read uh, Romans 12, starting at verse 9. And it's a uh, pretty lengthy section here, but gives a pretty specific description as to how this should look, starting at verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Once again, thinking of yourself, thinking of others before yourself. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Doesn't that sum up how we need to deal with our relationships? It's easy to, to... maybe throw the stones. It's easy to get involved in the attack. But God calls us to something much more than that. God calls us, not do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Use the example that Christ has set for us in order to deal with these relationships. Young people, use this as a model in your relationships. In dating relationships. There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that the world is going to tell you you need to look for in a lady, young men. There's all kinds of things that a guy should be, young ladies. And if that's going to be how you're going to measure them, you're going to be disappointed. I'm just being honest. Use this as your measure. Look for, look for someone who is trying to carry this out as well. Because you know what? They'll probably treat you pretty good too then if they're following Christ's example. Extend grace. I'm not sure maybe how this may look in your relationships. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe it's just a matter of a phone call saying, you know what, we need to be able to do something about this. Maybe it's uh, changing what you say. Maybe it's changing how you say things. 
maybe it's changing when you say things, but we all need to be changing something in our relationships. We all need to be working on something. Maybe this Valentine's Day needs to look a lot different than it has in the past. Let's look again at this previous perfect marriage, the utopia in the beginning that we were describing. You know, God's the one who made it perfect. Allowed, allowed it to function in perfection without sin. But then it was Satan who deceived them and brought all this ugliness into the world and caused brokenness in our relationships and in our relationships with God. It wasn't God who did this. It was Satan who had been seeking this out the entire time, trying to cause this to happen. And it can be a very real thing. But God is the one who is trying to bring reconciliation. God is the one who is trying to restore that perfect relationship that man had in the beginning. God could have said, you know what, you blew it. It's too late. Uh, you, You messed up. And you know what, he probably would have been justified in doing so. God is sovereign. He set rules in place. And he said, if this, if this happens, he would be the consequence. And as parents, we always try to follow through with what we say. God could have been very justified in doing that. But the story doesn't end there. God had a plan to reconcile our broken relationship, to heal, to repair our relationship with him. And you know what? God has a plan to reconcile your relationships as well, our relationships, to restore them to relationships that he wants to be, that he wants them to look like. Romans 5, 18 and 19 puts the situation this way. Romans 5, 18 and 19, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, Even so, through one man's righteous act of the the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, it's talking about us, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And we stand on the promise of God that what Christ did for us on the cross in restoring our relationship with God to give us an avenue even to come to him, to come to his throne room, to be able to once again commune with a perfect and holy God. He set that plan into place from the moment that Satan was able to deceive. He had a plan for restoring all of us. How awesome is that? God has a plan for restoring relationships. And he did it by extending grace. He did it by saying, you know what? I don't deserve it, but here's what I'm going to do. So also, we need to be doing that. If I could have the worship team come up. It's a difficult thing, though, to extend grace... In our relationships. 
we're all human. We're all, maybe even will attempt to extend grace and possibly your hand will get slapped. We will try to extend grace and ah, maybe kind of botch the extension. We're human. But Christ doesn't call us to give up on that then. It's like, it's like the runner maybe who, who uh, says, you know what? I'm going to start running this race. And he gets off on the dead sprint, realizes that it's a pretty long race, and then he started a little too fast, and then stops, walks off the track, and totally gives up. The race that we're called to run is a pretty lengthy one, especially in our perspective. The race that we're called to run is not one that you can give up. The reason that you can't give it up is because looking at Christ, He didn't give up on us. He didn't give up on all those times when we sinned and, and, and treated Him and what He did for us like a dirty rag. He didn't give up on any one of us when we were being completely disobedient, wanted nothing to do with God, completely ran away from Him. He didn't give up. But not only that, we don't like being given up upon. Don't give up because there are others who will see God's victory in their life if you follow through. There will be others who may come to Christ and say, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for being willing to restore a relationship that was broken. Thank you for being willing to make a good relationship better. Because in so doing, I have seen Christ through you. If we extend grace in our relationships, at worst, you will have followed through with what God wants us to do concerning our relationship. At worst, you will have just been obedient and been able to stand before God and say, you know what, I was, I was extending. It didn't work all the time. And I messed up a few times, but man, I was, I was trying. I was extending that grace that you gave me. At worst, you will have used Christ's example in your relationships. However, at best, this is where it gets pretty exciting. At best, imagine all that could happen if we were willing to do that. If we were willing to put ourselves aside and maybe put the pain and hurt that we've experienced aside and and as hard as it may be to be able to extend grace to others at best you will have had a brand new level of relationship with your wife at best you'll have had an, an excellent relationship as best as you can with your family at best you will have friends that not only want to be around you, but are there to uplift and encourage you as well. At best, you'll be able to treat your co-workers as Christ would have treated them. At best, your classmates will be able to think you're pretty cool. You know why? Because you treat me with honor and respect and you've extended grace to me. Even though I may have done this and this and this to you.
based on what Christ has, Christ has done for us, extend grace. At best, the Holy Spirit totally reforms rough relationships, brings together what everyone thought was impossible. At best. At best, others are drawn to Christ. Is there any more powerful testimony? Give God the opportunity to do something powerful in your relationship and extend grace. As I pray, I want to be able to open up the altars and invite you to spend some time responding to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about right now. Some of you are, are thinking in your mind's churn and saying, yeah, and you're, and you're thinking of a relationship. Maybe you're thinking of all your relationships. Maybe you're thinking about your relationship with Christ. Saying, you know what? I never realized that. I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen it or heard it that, that extending grace, undeserving grace, could bring such healing, could bring reconciliation. We're going to have a time to be able to respond to that. Maybe you need to spend some time praying as a family. Maybe you need to spend some time praying as a husband and wife. Or maybe you need to just spend some time alone with God to see what He wants you to do about some specific relationships. Or even yet, maybe you don't know what this idea is to extend grace. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ and haven't understood what exactly what Christ has done for you and this is the first time maybe that you've heard it. And maybe you've just never had an opportunity to receive this grace that Christ right now is extending to you. He's there with an outstretched hand. But like in any relationship, it takes two. And he's, and he's wanting you, he's wanting you, he so desires you to be able to stretch out your hand and say, I'll receive that. I want to be in this relationship with you. I want to see true and undeserving grace extended and be able to allow it to flow through me into other people. Let's pray. As I pray, as, as the worship team begins to play, please, please come on up and pray. We have a, a prayer team um, that is willing to. And if, and if you truly are wondering and wanting to learn more about what this relationship with Christ is all about that we've talked about today. If you could please just come over to my right and your left, and that way um, someone on our prayer team or myself can be able to, to speak with you about that. God, we thank you. Lord, we are so grateful that you were willing to repair what evil sought to destroy. That in the garden you made everything perfect. Adam and Eve, a great relationship, functioning exactly how you had meant it to function. And it was only because of what Satan did in deceiving that brought sin into the world. And it, it'll be very easy to point fingers. It would be very easy to point fingers at other people. But Lord, help us understand that we are all part of this fallen nature. God, but even more than that, help us to understand that you give us the ultimate example of what extending grace should look like. 
Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, God, we would be able to have a deeper understanding of what exactly you did for us by repairing this relationship. And it can't end there. Once we receive that, God, allow it to flow through us into our relationships, whether we're in middle school, high school, whether we just graduated high school or in college, or whether we've been married for 30 years. Give us a new understanding, God, of extending grace in our relationships. Your Holy Spirit's at work here, Lord. Allow this Valentine's Day to be a Valentine's Day that you remember as the beginning of the healing process. As a Valentine's Day that you said, February 14th, 2010, we began something. We started something, or we renewed a vow to extend that grace to others. We renewed a vow in our marriage. We renewed a vow in our family. We renewed a vow in looking for a dating relationship. We renewed a vow to our husband and wife. Allow this to be the day. As the worship team plays, I just invite you to come up and be able to respond what God is doing. <laughs> 